What does a contraction feel like? How do I know if I'm in labor? And what does a day of labor look like? Wait, is this normal? Hey, I'm Heidi. My best friends call me Hydes. I'm a certified birth doula, host of this podcast, and author of Birth Story, an interactive pregnancy guidebook. I have supported hundreds of women through their labor and deliveries, and I believe every one of them and you deserves a microphone and a stage. So here we are. Listen each week to get answers to these tough questions. Birth Story, where we talk about pregnancy, labor, deliveries, where we tell our stories and share our feelings. And of course, chat about our favorite baby products and motherhood. And because I'm passionate about birth outcomes, you will hear from some of the top experts in labor and delivery. Whether you are pregnant, trying desperately to get pregnant, or you just love a good birth story, I hope you will stick around and be part of this birth story family. You guys, my book is out. I mean, it is out in the world. I cannot believe it. I have been writing it for several years and it's just mind-blowing. Birth Story, Pregnancy Guidebook and Journal is a -a one-of-a-kind discovery into your pregnancy that provides you education through storytelling. So what's it really about? In the 16 years that I have served women with every personality type, I noticed there was a huge disconnect between what my clients were craving for childbirth education in a book and the books that were actually available on the market. There seemed to be unlimited resources if you are looking for an unmedicated birth or a natural birth or a home birth. But there just weren't a lot of resources for my clients who were part of the 92% of women birthing in a hospital and very much open to medical interventions like an epidural, nitrous oxide, and opioid medications. So I wrote that book to fill the gap for you. Week by week throughout your pregnancy, you will engage with material meant to educate and empower you as you plan for your own birth story, hospital, medicated, unmedicated, or something in between. You are welcomed each week with a postcard from the womb, which is an adorable note from your baby about their miraculous development, as well as the amazing changes occurring within you. Then you are invited to use an uplifting birth affirmation and to respond to an introspective journaling prompt to document your feelings, curiosities, and wonders every single week. With room to memorialize your own birth story, this book will become a memory keeper and a legacy gift for your baby. You are encouraged to read one of my favorite birth stories each week filled with childbirth education, tidbits, and explanations of important medical terms and procedures. These are real-life accounts shared with permission from the births that I've attended during my career as a doula, and I gave you a great mix. In the 42-week guide to your pregnancy and 42 birth stories, seven of them end in cesarean section. About half are unmedicated and the other half are medicated deliveries. This is a judgment-free book. So take what you need from each element and leave the rest. Okay, are you ready to buy? I would love for you to go to birthstory.com and buy it directly from me. But I totally get it if you're an Amazon girl. You can head to amazon.com and just type in birthstorypregnancy 
and the book should pop up. I'll deliver it straight to your doorstep. And I would venture to say that you might be an audiobook kind of woman because you're listening to a podcast. So if you would prefer to listen to this book, then I have recorded it and it is available for download at audible.com or on your Audible app. Thank you for being part of the birth story community. I'm so excited for you to have this book in your hand once you've purchased it and it has arrived. I hope that you will give me your thoughts and feedback and don't forget to take a selfie with your book and post it on Instagram and tag at birthstorypodcast. Hey, everybody. It's Heidi. Thank you so much for listening to episode 15. Today is Meet the Doulas, and I have brought in some of the most experienced doulas, Sarah from Sage Mama Doula and Helen from Aussie Doula, plus myself. We're having a conversation about what the heck is a doula? How is a doula different than a midwife? How does a doula and a midwife and an OBGYN How do they work together in continuity of care? What does it cost? Does insurance pay for doulas? Oh, there's so many questions that we are going to tackle head on. We are all passionate about every woman deserving a doula. This episode is going to teach you all about what it is that this beautiful profession does and why you deserve a doula by your side for your pregnancy for your labor, for your delivery, and for your postpartum care. Enjoy. All right. Well, let's get started. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just introduce us, give you a break. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Got I'm your ruggles out? Okay. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we are getting our wiggles out. I'm Heidi Campbell with the Birth Story Podcast, and today is so exciting because I have two of the best and my favorite doulas in all of Charlotte, and we're here to talk to you moms about all things birth from the doula's perspective. Let's just roll. So I'm going to introduce myself. I'm Heidi, and my doula company here in Charlotte is My Doula Heidi. And then I've got with me Helen from Aussie Doula. And Sarah from Sage Mama Doula. So let's go, Helen. Like, just tell us all about you. All right. Where do I start? Okay. So I am Helen Herzig and I am the Aussie Doula. I have been a doula here in Charlotte for the last six years. And I have been doulaing for about 20 years, not knowing what a doula was, but that's time for another story, I guess. But loving the Charlotte Earth community, and I'm just really happy to be here with, with these two awesome doulas. So wait, let, let's just dive into that really quick then. You have five children. I do. I know that. And so when was your, fir- your first birth that you attended was 20 years ago? Was that your own birth or was that like a friend's birth? I went to my sister-in-law's birth and was amazed at the process of birth and then over the last you know 15 years or so had been to a few other friends births um, because I have five kids and I guess I had that calm demeanor and um, was invited into the birth space which was very amazing and uh, I felt very honored to be in that birth space and then five years or six years ago a friend had a dream that I was her doula and said would you be my doula after she had this dream and I said well I'm not sure what a doula does but I can find out so of course I went onto the internet and found out what a doula was and what a doula did and I said oh okay well I have been doing that for about 20 years unofficially so I attended her birth and it was amazing and the uh 
labour and delivery nurse said you're a great doula and I said well actually I'm not but that started my path so I did a training and then soon after started taking um, doula clients and the rest is history 200 plus births later and um, love absolutely love what I do I found out what I wanted to do when I was 47 years old so and that was 200 births mm -hmm. after you became a doula so you have a whole bunch of births under your belt though Mm -hmm. before you Mm -hmm. became a doula a few yeah exciting We have very similar stories than Helen, too, because all of this, for me, came from dreams also. Oh, is that right? mm, Yeah. Story for later. So, Sarah, tell us all about you and Sage Mama Doula. Yes. Hi. So, I have been in the Charlotte area for just three and a half years um, doing doula work, postpartum and birth work for the last um, three years, really full-time, gung-ho. But before that, I spent just about a decade working primarily with teen moms. And then I would have friends and church members and community members um, hire me or ask me to be their private doula. But really, uh, my passion for birth grew out of volunteering in crisis pregnancy centers and um, running a nonprofit ministry for teen moms. So that was my focus with birth work for a really long time, was um, in an advocacy role and doing um, lots of community activism, promoting midwifery care, promoting um, access to doulas. And in the midst of all of that work, I also was raising my own four babies and experiencing parenthood and then allowing that to sort of enrich my professional life. I became a doula well before I had children of my own. And um, I think that raised my expectations for my own birth experience so much because I had seen so many different kinds of births. I'd seen the good and the bad and the ugly and the beautiful. And um, I had a vision for what I wanted, for the kind of care that I wanted to experience and the intimacy that I wanted to feel with my care providers. Um, And I was really lucky because I had worked at all of the local hospitals when I was choosing where to deliver my first baby. Um, And I had worked with all of the doulas professionally. So I sort of set up my dream team um, and knew that the hospital that I chose to deliver at, I knew all of the nurses. So even though I didn't know who was going to be on shift the day that I delivered, I knew I had a familiarity there. I think I was just incredibly elaborately spoiled that when I walked off the um, the elevator into the maternity floor, I feel like I there was like a cheer. Like everyone was like, Sarah's here. She's having her first baby, which is just so wonderful. I, I, I want every woman to feel that kind of comfort yes. with their care team. Obviously, I had a, a relationship already established with my care providers, but but there also is a model for that kind of care that exists in our country that's just, it's not shouted from the rooftops enough that you can have a personal connection with your care provider, that they can give you more than that 10 minute impersonal chart looking, you know, they're looking at your name as if you're a number. And um, so I am really passionate about uh, pointing women to care providers who have a more personalized approach and really get to know them and know their story and what they're wanting out of their birth experience because I had that and I just knew it to be so beautiful and important and foundational for my uh, my experience of giving birth. We'll come back to the other babies in a minute. <laughs> Let's just jump in because if moms are listening and one of the things we wanted to address here is who deserves a doula and I think all three of us at this table and all doulas would say every single woman that is delivering a baby deserves a doula. Mm -hmm. And there are birth doulas and there are postpartum doulas, but today we're talking about birth doula support, but that every single woman deserves a doula. And 
there's a book. I'm not going to remember. There's several books, actually. And the books will tell you that if you are planning to have an epidural, that you don't need to have a doula. And my face will turn angry, mean, red (laughs) when I hear this. Or when moms call me that are pregnant and they're Mm -hmm. curious about having a doula, and all of a sudden you hear, but Heidi... I might want to have an epidural. Would you be okay with that? And they're apologetic for asking. And uh, it's like a knife through my heart. So let's talk about that, Helen, because let's talk about this happens to you too. Mom's Absolutely. Call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had a mum call me yesterday and she was almost apologetic about saying, well, what sort of people, you know, what sort of women do you serve? And I, I say, you know, a lot of mums will say, what's your birth philosophy? And I say, well, I don't have a birth philosophy because it's not my birth, it's your birth. So I am there to support you. I'm on that birth journey with you and I will support you whatever you want along your journey. So you may say, okay, I want to have a natural birth. I want to try for a natural birth. You may be one of those mums who says, you know what, I know I need somebody to be walking along that path with me, but I know at some point I'm going to want pain management. A doula should not have an agenda or anything about, you know, related to another woman's birth. This is a very personal, private um, road that you are taking. We're along that journey with you to help you achieve what you would like to do. That may change. You may decide that you want a natural birth and in that, um, you know, your birth journey, you may change your mind. We are there to say, it's okay. Whatever you want in your journey is what we want for you. And it's very important um, that whatever the road you take, that you are given choices, your voice is heard and you are hopefully have a positive birth experience even if it's not the one that you had chosen originally along your path and I think having a doula there can really help in that path so yeah I believe so too one of the things that I I like to share with moms when they first call me and we're kind of navigating like getting that off the table let me say that I start with my first birth was an epidural Induction. I was in labor, prodromal labor for five days mm. and I was really, really tired and mm. I was only two centimeters dilated. And an epidural was a tool that my midwifery team and alongside with a doula, these are different choices that people helped me make five days into a prodromal labor. Absolutely. That was a medical tool and intervention that helped me to have a vaginal childbirth. Absolutely. Yes. Here, here I am a doula. I had a dream, like many moms that are listening. I had a dream of having an all-natural childbirth. I ended in an epidural. I ended in an induction. But that doesn't mean that it had to be a bad birth yes. experience. Right. Absolutely. Right? And so I think that that's one thing for moms that are listening, that I want them to hear from us, is that as doulas, we are there to support them and the vision that they want for their body and the birth that they want without judgment. But when you hire a doula who's educated, there are certain things that we are trained in to help, like when is the right time to get the epidural? Mm-hmm. And so, Sarah, I'm going to have you pick up there. So I think our, our all of our philosophies are in line that everyone deserves to have a doula mm-hmm. by their side. But what does it look like to have a doula? Like, like some people are going to be listening and are like, I have no idea what a doula does. Right. So let's let's start with you. Like, what do you do? 
um, for your clients? Like, what does that process look like? Yeah, so you you used the word tool to describe, um, to view an epidural. And I think that um, a doula brings many different tools and tricks of the trade to the table. Um, and, a, and an epidural can be one of those things. Um, obviously, the doula doesn't do the epidural or perform the epidural, but we can help guide clients and inform them about the pros and cons and the timing. Um, but we also bring... Um, first of all, a presence and a sense of peace to birth because we're outside observers. We're not going through the process. We're walking alongside our clients while they're going through this journey. And um, and we don't bring to the table the same anxieties and fears that clients walk into birth with. So we we have a, a sense of trust and, and belief in how this, the, the process works. And also from all of our experience of seeing so many ver- births and seeing such variety of births, uh, we have a sense of, of what can be expected, what comes next. So having a doula is sort of like having a wedding planner or a tour guide, somebody who's just been there before. Um, and that can be informed by our own personal birth experiences. And like you said, we'll, we'll dive in and share some of our personal birth experiences. But it also just comes from the practice of witnessing so many different mm-hmm. births, so many different labors and, ex- and experiences and expressions of what it looks like to go through labor. So we've seen um, those like really peaceful, blissful, hypnotic breathers through labor. And we've seen how they do that and what tools they use to cope with labor in that way. And we've seen the more primal movers and groaners and um, and the people that are reacting to labor in a different sort of way. We've seen it all and sort of um, able to encapsulate all of those birthing experiences that we've witnessed and then take that to our clients and guide them with how they can cope instinctually. What, what a doula does is really help a woman tap into her own instinct um, and, and find what feels right for her in the moment, what feels right about the next position to, to move into or the next intervention to question whether or not it's the right choice to make, um, what instinctually feels right for that individual person as they're laboring. Um, and so a doula is a guide for, um, for a client back to themselves. What feels right for you? What choices are right for you, your birth, and your baby? Um, and then we have all kinds of tools. Um, there are pain relief uh, medications, but there also are non-medical pain relief options. And we, uh, we know how to use those and incorporate them into somebody's labor. Aromatherapy and music and movement and changing positions, um, touch and massage and um, comfort measures like back counter pressure. Um, all of those things are, are just skills that we've picked up along the way from our training, our professional training, but also just the experience of being with so many people in labor. Yep. So it's all about the tools. Okay. Mm-hmm. So almost 700 births between the three of us. <laughs> so if you're listening, pay attention <laughs> because we've witnessed a lot of births, like Sarah said, and just have seen different things unfold. One of the things, Sarah, that I was listening to you talk, and it made me think about the different, the ways in which women labor, and you don't know what that looks like until you're in labor, even, you know, for yourself or someone else. Having a doula also gives an opportunity to diffuse fear. Yes. So mm-hmm. you'll see these moms that are doing great with their breathing techniques or great with their primal moaning. And then maybe there's a moment where fear sets in, like mm-hmm. a contraction double peaked or was a little bit stronger. And then having a doula 
as a tool for you also to really help diffuse any kind of fear and kind of get back to that place of peace and stillness. So Helen, I want to hear from you too. When, when moms call you and say, what do you do? <laughs> you know, how are you going to help me? How, what do you share with them about what you do and how you take care of them? Basically, you know, what I do for them is my latest, um, I'm very physical and literal in the way I uh, explain things to my families is a doula is like having an anxiety vacuum. So our um, main thing that we do in a birth is to allay fears, to walk along the path with them and to say a lot of the times when we're in that birth is this is normal and this is okay. Mm -hmm. This is what you are supposed to be feeling at this time. I had a mum who was a labour and delivery nurse um, give birth last week and she still had those still she still knows she knows birth in and out but when you get into that zone you're very primal and you're you you're very um it's an intimate time um having someone there you know looking at you and saying no this is okay this is what you're supposed to be doing doulas and dads also we are there just for, for dad just as much as we are for the mum absolutely so dad may be looking at you saying you know, with that look in his eyes of, what, is everything okay with my wife? Yes, it's okay. This is the way it's supposed to be. It may be a silent um, thumbs up. It may be a smile directed at him to say, no, this is okay. This is this is how things are supposed to be. It's very, um, it, this is a hard time, but this is what is supposed to happen throughout this birthing process. Also with the mum, this is okay. This is how the things are supposed to be. Yes, this is hard, but you are powerful. You are strong. You are doing this. Yep. So just to support them, I think, is really important. Um, and we are there where that, that continuity of care, shift change may come in a hospital setting, even in a birth um, centre setting, but your doula will be there throughout the process with you. And I think just having that person there, um, is really important throughout the process. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit because typically you guys interject if your philosophies are different, but like when my clients hire me, one of the things I tell them is I'm now yours from now until the end of your, you know, journey into parenthood. Um, and then hopefully we stay in contact a lot longer. Absolutely. Um, but my clients like to check in like right before they have an appointment or right after they have an appointment. And I get questions like, is there something that I should be asking my provider mm -hmm. today? Right. Or, hey, Heidi, we just I just walked out and I'm GBS positive. Uh, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so just sometimes, and even though we're not doctors, but just kind of being Dr. Google yeah. even for um, our moms, they're in the car, they're on their way home. Um, but really being their support person. I like, Helen, that you said continuity of care. And then Sarah said personalized care mm -hmm. because it truly is like having a sister or a mom or a best friend. I mean, just the word doula is woman caregiver mm -hmm. and we are there to serve our moms and to take care of them from the moment they hire us all the way, you know, through the labor and delivery. And one of the things people may be listening from different cities, but in our city, in a hospital setting, um, I'm not going to speak, the birth center is a little bit different, but in a hot or home birth, but in a hospital setting, the big practices rotate so quickly that most moms 
will call and tell us, well, I've, I don't really have a provider. That's what they'll say. Who's your provider? Well, I see someone different every week. Mm-hmm. That's the answer I get. Well, not when you hire a doula. Right. You're, you're going to talk to us every week. We're going to come into your home. We're going to build a relationship and we're going to be by your side through the labor and delivery. Um, so let's talk about continuity of care. So Sarah, what does that relationship building look like for you? What's the earliest someone's ever hired you? Oh my goodness. Like as soon as they pee on the sticks, (laughs) especially the repeat clients, you know, that they, they want to make sure that they book in advance. Um, and I, I really love it when clients find me early and, you know, I get people who, who call when they're 39 weeks pregnant and they're freaking out at the end too. So we, you, it's never too late to hire a doula, but when clients do hire me early, I love that I have that whole stretch of pregnancy to mm-hmm. develop a relationship with them. And I had one client who said, I just want you to be my Google filter. That's <laughs> what I need you for the most is that when I have a question, I go to Google or WebMD and then I get all of the Internet's opinions and articles. And there's an article for every s- single side of the, of the argument. And I just need help filtering out all of that information and, um, and knowing how to make these big decisions or how to to get information. Um, And so that's often the jumping off point for developing a relationship with client is is just answering questions. Um, And I always give the disclaimer that I am both a professional and I'm a parent with lived experiences of making decisions as a parent. And so I have my natural biases about certain parenting philosophies or medical decisions, but that as a doula, I'm always filtering out the information with also what's evidence-based and best practice. Um, And so we we bring both to the table. So when a mom says, well, what would you do if X, Y, Z, or what did you do in your pregnancies? I might share that with them, but then I'll also circle back around and, and share an evidence-based article and maybe send them some links and uh, a few opposing ideas or things to toss around and think about. I'm always looking for what the good science says um, that supports decision-making. Um, and I'm also open and willing to share what my experience was as a, as a mother personally. Um, and I think that that cultivates relationship mm-hmm. because if I only sent the science evidence-based articles and said, this is what, you know, this is the latest research and I didn't open up and sort of share what my, what my decision making looked like, it doesn't really cultivate relationship. But when they can get to know me as a human being and as a mother, mm-hmm. um, we develop a rapport that um, that really grows a trusting relationship. Um, I think it's also so key for women in labor to know that their doula knows their life and their personality and their home and their marriage or um, and their children. So I know things when someone's in labor that a nurse who's on an eight-hour shift just doesn't have the opportunity to know. I know that as a woman's hitting transition and she's getting weepy, that part of it may be that she's nervous about adding another child to her home um, or wh- whatever part of her life she's carrying into her labor. I know little bits and pieces of who she is, and that changes the way that I care for her and interact with her. Um, that continuity of care 
having built a relationship throughout pregnancy and then bringing that into labor and then even in postpartum is totally different than the role of a clinical care provider who comes and goes and has the responsibility for the heart rate and the vital statistics and how um, a woman is responding to labor and how a baby is responding to labor. Those are crucial, life-giving roles of a clinical care provider. But we uh, we have such a different relational, emotional, spiritual element um, of our relationships with our clients. So it's such a privilege to, to be able to sort of exist in those realms mm-hmm. with people, um, to know those things about their lives and what's going on in their hearts as well as what's going on with their bodies. Yeah. Right? Such a privilege, such an honor. I mean, it's just the littlest things, you know, of listening to their stories, being witness to their stories, mm-hmm. and then being welcomed into their lives. I mean, it's just such a privilege. It is. And so, Helen, is there anything extra special that you do in addition to what we've talked about? And I specifically know, like, your your postpartum care, mm-hmm. that you yep. have some things. And so I just wanted to, you to share what are some of those extra special things that you also do for your clients? Uh, yes, well, I actually have a um, <clears throat> excuse me. I have a uh, Facebook group, a secret Facebook group for my um, birth clients, and I also have a mums group at one of the local birth centres here two times a month because I feel like that care, uh, not only postpartum but when during your pregnancy, is really important. Um, like Sarah said, we make these connections with these women and these families that hopefully will continue on for for our lives. Um, I think having that baby is such an intimate and powerful and strong uh, milestone in your life that you will never forget. And hopefully having a doula there will make that a positive thing that you will never forget. Um, prenatally, um, my mums are welcome to come to my mums group whenever they like. They make connections with each other. So it's really important to, I think, have those connections in your pregnancy that you can carry through. I have friends who I met at um, a breastfeeding group 20 years ago who I'm still friends with. Um, So those relationships are really uh, very strong and really important, I think, early on. So um, my mums will meet you know, I have my prenatals and my times, but any times mums want to come to that group, they're welcome to twice a month. So we build really great relationships with each other and with other mums in the group. And also um, just the fact that um, the ones who are pregnant, when they have their babies, you know, the term mothers to maidens, I don't know who said it, but it's amazing. You know, these all these maidens to mothers, they become, after they're pregnant, they become the mothers who help the ones who are pregnant. So it's a very organic and beautiful relationship. Yeah. I love watching on social media too and all the different moms groups where they are constantly, you're just constantly reaching out to your tribe. Mm -hmm. And so what a beautiful thing that your doula can provide you with other moms that have recently given birth within those, you know, months or year that you have to be supporters. I love that you do that. Yeah. And I'm really proud of you. And I think that that's amazing. And so, it's, And it's also very, for me, it's wonderful too, because I don't want to just wait for two years until you have another baby. I love those relationships that we build together. You know, I, I would say I'm kind of the mum doula or the grandma doula, even though I have... <laughs> She's very young. (laughs) She's very young. This is crazy. (laughs) I had my first at 33 and my last at 44. So all those older, advanced maternal age, I hate that saying. Mums, rock it. it, You can do it. I had, 
plenty more. <laughs> Let's high five. My mom had my little sister at 44 years old. There you also. go. There and you I'm, go. At, I'm 40, and I'm thinking, yeah, I could probably there you go, Heidi. a couple times. So we'll see what life holds over the next couple of years. So, all right. So is everyone listening? Like, have you decided? Are you pumped up? Are you, like, hire a doula? Have mm-hmm. we convinced you that if you are on a fertility journey, you deserve a doula. If you are pregnant, you deserve a doula. If you are a woman, hear you roar, you deserve a doula. And so you can find Sarah at Sage Mama Doula. And what's your website, Sarah? SageMamaDoula.com. Okay. And then Helen of Aussie Doula, how can we find you? AussieDoula.com. AussieDoula.com. Okay. So that is our, that's our, that's our warm and fuzzy, but we are, we wanted to start this podcast with who deserves a doula because we believe everyone does. And we hope that we have convinced you to start exploring your options. If you're in the Charlotte area, um, you know, to call us. So let's get into the good stuff. Too. <laughs> I was okay. waiting for us to start misbehaving. Yeah, I'm like, Hey, it's Heidi. I'm interrupting the podcast to let you know about a free resource that I've created for you at birthstory.com. All you have to do is go to birthstory.com and then click the tab that says the workbook. Once you put your email address in, an entire resource library of all of my secret sauces are available to you for free as my thank you for listening to the Birth Story podcast and being part of this community. At birthstory.com, under the workbook, you will find a birth plan template, articles on circumcision, delayed cord clamping, flipping a breech baby, packing your hospital bag, acupressure points, placenta encapsulation, and so much more. There are over 20 free articles ready for you to download at birthstory.com. Now let's get back to this amazing episode. And okay, so first of all, let's tell everybody that we're all three of us are in panic mode right now because we're 30 minutes into a podcast and our cell phones have to be turned off. (laughs) We're all on call. (laughs) We're all on call. And this is like. And it's amazing. We're all here together. Yeah, it is amazing. How many times have we canceled this podcast? (laughs) Too many. Like four or five. Four or five. Because of births and because we have a thousand children amongst the three of us. But it's really difficult to get doulas together. It is. When you have an on-call profession. So let's talk about being on call. And I want, oh my gosh, don't go live. Helen's taking (laughs) pictures. I'm like, she's taking pictures. (laughs) And uh, okay, so let's talk about being on call. And let's talk about where was the most inconvenient place that you ever were, what you were doing when you got a phone call that said, it's go time. Helen. Okay, I have two really good ones that I love to tell my mums that I will be there for you, don't worry. Um, I was on call Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I had a couple of mums due into the new year around Christmas time and I just checked in with them and said, you know, I'm going to the Outer Banks, which is six hours drive away, just in case something happens, just let me know. And I get a call Christmas morning from my mummy saying that my water broke. So, okay, so I know that I'll be heading back to Charlotte. So long story short, we had a big turkey dinner for lunch. I was ready for a nap and then mum calls me and says, yes, things are picking up. So I drove back to Charlotte and um, we had a baby about five or six hours later into um, 
the following day after Christmas. And then another time I had a mum and I was heading down to Florida for Thanksgiving. Similar thing happened where I had um, mum in labour and I drove back to Charlotte and we had a baby maybe 14 hours later. So um, it's just saying this is going off track a little bit but usually labour and birth does not happen like in the movies where you see a half hour um, show or a one hour movie where the jar of pickles drops on aisle three and there's this big splash of water, water breaks and then there's a baby <laughs> with strawberry jam on it half an hour later. It doesn't happen like that. So <laughs> ladies, just know that we will be there for you. Do your not doula, worry. Your doula has time to drive back from yes, the outer base yes. and still labor with <laughs> yes. you for six hours. So we, you are so. good. So allay those fears, especially first time mums. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm. So that was, those two are pretty, pretty good uh, places. <laughs> but I, it's worth noting too, when I hear you talk that we all have backup doulas yes and yeah, absolutely and we work in partnership and in community mm-hmm. helen is so committed to being at your birth that she <laughs> leaves her family vacation the crazy one yeah home <laughs> to be with you so i just commend you for that because that's really important when we're talking about continuity of care and personalized care this is it in action it's christmas day your doula is six hours away and she still makes it to you, mm-hmm. you know? So that's incredible. Okay, Sarah, the most inconvenient oh, call. Oh, goodness. You know, I, I don't... I use the word inconvenient. Yeah. I just mean, like, I don't even crazy know. Crazy story. I, you know, yeah. I, don't, I can't think of any really crazy stories about being on call, but life on call is just crazy. Yeah. And I think even, whether you have one client a month or six clients a month, your life hangs in balance and you're just constant. Your phone is in your hand constantly yeah. and you're constantly having to explain to people why you have to look at every single text message ding. And I have like a Pavlov's dog response to that ding mm-hmm. sound of my yep. text that like I had to cut off people in my life who were texting me after 9 p.m. after I go to bed because I go to bed like a little old grandma hoping (laughs) that I get a full night of sleep but knowing that I'm not guaranteed a full night of sleep and I hear that text ding you know from my brother or my sister sending me a goofy meme and I get so mad at them (laughs) for waking me up because I have trained my brain to hear that ding from like across the room Um, because I, I am just wanting to be able to respond to questions from my clients and also respond to them if they think they're in labor um and and that is part of the the difficulty of being on call is that labor it is unpredictable and it can be really long and we could maybe be out of town or um or, or you know doing something with our kids in school or have other commitments but um but we are available all the time we respond to those text messages so life is just, it's a little crazy. There, there was um, like a t-shirt or a mug campaign going around that was really popular with doulas a while ago. And it was just a shirt or a mug that would say, if I'm not at a birth, dot, 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 if I'm not at a birth. Because that's how doulas finish all of their sentences. When we're invited to something or we're making plans, we're thinking, oh, I don't know if I can make that appointment that week because so-and-so's due. And the other person, if they're overdue, they might be overlapping. And we're thinking about who we're, what our client load is at all times when we're planning our lives. And um, all of our friends know that yes. we're always on call. Yes. We're so always yes. on call. Yes. Yeah. I might be at the movies or that dinner. Right. You know, dot, dot, if, dot, I'm, if not I'm not at birth. Yes. Um, okay. So I'm going to so tell what, my own story. Yes, I want to hear you. You've got one, obviously. <laughs> I, okay. So 
This one was so super hard for me to, I almost thought about calling a backup doula, but I adored the mom so much. And we had, I just, I just knew I needed to be with her Mm -hmm. and it was the best decision I've ever made because she actually had one. She, I think she delivered the largest baby I've ever had deliver, um, almost 11 pound baby. And, um, she, she had a, a long, tough labor and she just really needed me. And so I'm glad I didn't. I didn't call anyone in. I'm not going to say her name because she'll hear the date and she'll know. (laughs) um, So my birthday is November 2nd. So every year I have a Halloween party. I mean, not anymore, really, because I have two toddlers at home. But I mean, it was like go big or go home my whole life for Halloween parties. And this was my 30th birthday party. So 10 years ago. That was like a big one. So 30th birthday. And I mean, my best friend had like made this gigantic sign that took up the whole entire front of my house. I had a live band. There was over a hundred people there in costumes and an hour into it, her water broke and she was like in hard labor. And I was like, threw my house keys at one of my friends and I was like, party all night, have the best 30th birthday. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And I came home in the morning from this birth and there were just like people everywhere and beer (laughs) bottles everywhere. And I thought like, they they probably had the best time. And and in the end, I thought this was the best 30th birthday I could have ever had because Mm -hmm. I gave a hundred people the best most banging Halloween that they've ever had and my joy I got to be with this mom while she delivered her baby it was like the best of both worlds you know it's it's always a sacrifice we're willing to make you know I think that's something that clients ask like how do you live on call you've got four kids what do you do if it's their birthday or a school play and uh, we do work in community with backup doulas so that we can have some balance and that's really important in our profession to have balance to be able to take a vacation but also we signed up for this because we love what we Mm -hmm. do yeah. And so it's always a sacrifice we're willing to make yeah. um, to be there with our clients. And I'll never forget the babies that are born on my children's birthday. Right. <laughs> so I have two of them. So mm-hmm. and I only have a four and a three year old. And so I don't know what the odds are of that happening, but you'll you'll Pretty remember much, those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my dear holidays. Yeah. Yes. It's all good. It's going, you know, it's going to happen. So um so anyway, so the next thing I want to talk about is As our clients get towards the end of their pregnancies, our phones, it's like we won't hear from them for like weeks and weeks. Mm -hmm. And then it's like ding, ding, ding. All the questions. And so let's dig into them. So, Helen, what's the what's the number one question you get at the end? Um, Well, I think prenatally, when we do our prenatal appointments, um, the main thing I think is people will ask before they actually go into labor is how will I know I'm in labor? So we know very well that there are certain signs that, that mums will look for, um, which I guess we can talk about Yeah, as let's well. talk about it. So um, that would probably be the main thing. Teacher Helen, go into it. How okay, do you know then. you're in labor? <laughs> okay, so we're digging in for a yeah, little bit of post, uh, a prenatal visit yeah. here. So things to look for. So um, somebody wisely said, do, li- do life until you do labor. I'm not sure who that was, but I thought mm. that's a very smart one because Good. the main thing, I think the main nugget out of um, before you have your baby is to distract and to just live your life until you 
notice your contractions. So that would be the main thing that I think people look at as far as when you know you're in labour is when you start to have contractions. So we always say, you know, just go on with life until you can't ignore your your contractions anymore. So that would be one thing, your contractions. Um, and then obviously there are lots of bodily fluids and functions that are going on um, early in your um, in your labouring. Um, doulas are immune to any of those things and we're quite happy to have um, pictures texted to us or <laughs> conversations um, about what's going on with your body. So um, that can be mucus plug, bloody show, all of the different things. And if Raise you're not your hand good, if you have pictures of bloody uh, show. Yeah, definitely I definitely do. Three yeah, hands are raised yeah. right now. So we have seen it, ladies. Um, uh, so, you know, all those things, what does le- early labour look like? What will, you know, I be um, expecting? Do you want to continue on with different signs of, of labour? Yeah, or, no, yeah. Um, so Teach on, other, other things that we can look for, um, contractions, um, going to the bathroom a lot. That's actually a really good sign that your body is starting to make changes. Number two. Yes, Number doing two. doing a poo. Yes. And, and who else in your life but maybe a doula can you text at like five in the morning and be like, I have pooped four times and yes. that's not normal for me. Does that mean that maybe I'm in labor? You know, that those are yeah. the sort of things that our clients can trust yes. us with. Yeah. Because like you said, we're immune. We're not grossed out by the picture of your mucus plug. Yeah. And we're not grossed out by hearing about what's going on in the bathroom for Yes, you. we're very that's excited. Part, that's yeah. totally part of the deal. It's a mm-hmm. package deal. When you get a doula, you get someone you can ask all of those unfiltered yeah. questions that maybe you don't want to ask your neighbor or your even your sister or, you know, other people in your life. That's part of the deal is that we're so comfortable with bodies and what they do. And um, it's when there are questions that you don't necessarily have to ask a doctor or a care provider, you can call your doula and, and get some information. So that's, yeah, we're we guiding get, them yeah. through those, un, those early mysterious unfolding. Is it happening? Is it not happening? And helping provide resources and information and guidance for and that. And we're very happy to, to hear about all those yeah. Yeah. And things that were happening. I have so many moms that are worried about pooping on the table like while Uh they're pushing and this is one of the things that I always like when they call me and they're in early labor and they don't maybe even know they're in early labor and they've had like four bowel movements and that's when I use it as re-education I'm like see your body is naturally like emptying Mm -hmm. itself so like yes have we been pooped on everybody? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Have we wiped poop? Lots yes. of it. But it's literally like my experiences have been that when my mom's poop on the table, it's just the littlest yeah. amount of poop you've ever seen. Yeah. Nobody so tell me, have you know. guys ever yeah. had a big load? I mean, I just <laughs> oh haven't. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, I but I like to say, I like to say to moms, oh. if these, what is, you know, talking about things, we're kind of going off a little bit, but what are things that are, you're fearful about? And a lot of moms will say, yes, I'm fear, you know, I, I'm worried about that. And I always like to say, you, if it happens, it's usually a very small amount. The midwife or the OB will usually have their hand, you know, down there with a warm cloth um, helping with your your um, bottom um, if it comes it comes and it's just wiped away and then disposed of and then another cloth is put there so it's not something that we have to worry about when mums think about you know pooping on the table um, that's not really how it goes down so I like to allay those fears with you know it may happen 
it stays in Vegas. No one's going to be talking about that experience. If Dad <laughs> is is Dad making a face or something, we'll be like, okay, Dad, no, you know, Mum's in his own. Um, so you know, we try to minimise that. Yeah. Um, you know, any anxiety about that. Yeah, yeah, I always tell my clients that we're not going to say, oh, she pooped. Oh, you pooped. <laughs> Nobody's drawing like, attention to so it. So gently wipe it away before anyone, anyone even, even notices. And, and then happened. doulas, you know, we bring out our aromatherapy right. and we distract and maybe put on the music. And, and it's really not a thing. It's, it's so really not a not. thing. So but I it's just, big in people's minds. Yeah, I wanted to bring it up because that's one of the that's one of the fear questions I get almost every time at the end. And so I'm glad we're talking about yeah. it so that if moms are listening, that maybe we can just let them not be so afraid. Yeah, I have uh, just something else that a fear a lot of times that um, families will have is, um, you know, taking dad into consideration and mum into consideration as far as um, are you going to be watching what's going on with your wife? I like to say, are you going to be uptown, midtown, or downtown? Oh my yep, goodness, me too. I, love it. I do know, that too. What, what is must your, have taught us along some, the way. Yes, and being in Charlotte, we, we, we say... North equator <laughs> yes, or south yeah. oh too. So, so, you know, that's really important going in. A lot of, I think, um, families will do their childbirth education. They'll watch a video and go, oh my gosh, that's so, you know... I can't, that this is so powerful. I don't know if I can do this. But being in the birth zone of your wife, your partner, is such a different experience than seeing it on an objective, you know, video screen. Yeah. So, um, of course, we like to, when going into that um, space, you know, when you're seeing your wife, you know, give birth to your child, it's a totally different thing rather than seeing it on a video so of course you know when you get into that you want to see what the what each person wants in that zone a lot of times dad will say I don't think I want to see what's going on that's you know but in the time I would say 90% of the the families the dad will say yeah I think oh wow oh my goodness that's Mm -hmm. crazy so even dads that are listening this is an amazing thing if you want to see it great if you don't great but it is pretty amazing when you seeing your child be born. Yeah. So yes. allay those fears as well. Do you cry? I cry every time. Do you guys cry? I do. I get, I get teary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's pretty. It's just so beautiful. You know, it's so beautiful. Okay. I have a series of questions I want to go through, but it really depends on whether <laughs> yeah. or not you've, what kind of birds. So <clears throat> for whatever way, shape or form, I, uh, the girls know this, but for my audience, I've only attended at this point in early 2019. I have only attended hospital births only. I've never attended a birth at a birth center. I have never attended a home birth. And um, it's not because I don't want to. It's because 100% of the people that call me are delivering in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at. So, Sarah, I know that you personally had a home birther three or something. How many home births did you I have? I had two home births. Two home births. Mm-hmm. And you've attended home births and birth centers. Yeah. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. And then Helen, your experience, did you birth your babies in the hospital? or? I had no? my first two in the hospital. I had my uh, third baby in Australia in a maternity, um, very old, it was like called the midwife. It was amazing. Um, a maternity hospital. I had my fourth uh, a home water birth, okay. and I had my fifth in a hospital here in Charlotte. So you've so, you've done it all a little bit, yeah. Really, Sarah. So tell me about 
in your experiences witnessing um, the different types of birds and, of course, experiencing a home birth. But what would you say are some of the main differences for the mom's experience when they birth at a hospital versus birthing at a home birth? Sure. Yeah, I can address that. Um, I think that the main difference um, in in all sort of three different options for birthing setting choices is um, the autonomy of the birthing person. So in a hospital, there uh, is sort of a default mode in how they care for people. They do it all day, day in, day out with lots of different people, lots of uh, people from all walks of life, different cultural backgrounds, but they have a default sort of setting in how they care for people. They've got nurses on shift um, and care providers on rotating in shifts, and they just do things in a way that they do. Um, And so there's, you're a bit more anonymous when you go into that setting where they're seeing lots of people all of the time. And then the birth center setting um, with midwifery care is a bit more personalized. There's, uh, There's more time in prenatal to develop a relationship. And though you do have a rotation of care providers, you've had a chance to establish a relationship with those care providers. Birth centers are also um, designed with a bit more autonomy for the for the birthing person so that um, maybe they're set up to support natural labor a bit differently than in a hospital setting, which has a default mode of more medicalized births just by um, because they provide a higher level of medical care. Um, but the birthing center is for set up for low risk. So um, it's designed to accommodate more freedom of movement, being able to eat and drink freely. There are less restrictions on the, the laboring person. Um, in, a, in a home birth, um, the person is on in their own space. And so they have the greatest amount of autonomy in a home birth. Um, so really, it's you're operating and choosing very different paradigms in, um, in how you view your birth experience when you're making those decisions. Um, So it's really, really personal. It depends on uh, the kind of relationship you want to have with your care provider and the kind of autonomy in decision-making that you want to have. Um, You have the most power of decision-making in a home birth setting. Um, and, And then you are, if you're going to another place, another care providing, um, setting, then you're, um, sort of sub- you're subjecting yourself to their policies in their default mode. Um, so so it's a very, very personal decision for somebody to make when they're deciding where they want to have their baby. Yeah. So I interviewed episode three of the podcast was Tori Jones. She's the CEO of a bag company called Eshell Triangle and Eshell meaning, you know, midwife, the Mayan word for mm-hmm. uh, midwife. And I just loved one of her home birth stories. She was like, well, I just delivered him behind the couch. Right. (laughs) Total freedom. Her. I delivered her behind the couch. But just total, you know, freedom to move around. Mm -hmm. And so, Helen, tell me. So about three years ago, the birth center came on the scene Mm -hmm. in our city. And so I want to hear about, you know, your experiences at the birth center from the moms that are listening. Why would a mom choose, you know, a birth maybe at a birth center? What does it look like from your perspective that's different than birthing at a hospital? I'm glad you asked that because I was just thinking when Sarah was speaking, um, it's very important for a family to decide where the best place for them to birth their baby is. Um, a lot of my families will say because I have my mum's group at the birth centre, you know, and they come, um, they come in and they see, you know, how 
the surroundings is. It's very, it's beautiful. It's like almost being in your home. Um, and they say, well, should I have the baby here or should I have the baby at the hospital? I'm conflicted. And I always say, you know, this is your decision as a family to make. Two or both and see which you feel better about. Make a list of pros and cons and of each place. And then basically you have to make that decision um, with your family, what that looks like. Um, so the difference between having a birth at the birth centre as opposed to the hospital is like Sarah was saying, you uh, have more say in what you're able to do. You're able to eat and you're able to drink. Um, you don't have as many parameters put on you as you would in the hospital setting. Um, and it's, it's um, I personally love having births at the birth centre. When my family say that they're delivering at the birth centre, I, I do a little happy dance. Uh, again, the, you know, there are midwives on call, so there is sometimes there's a shift change, but that dual of being with you is that, that continuity. But um, I really enjoy birth centre setting well, for I, births. I love it. So I want to ask you about a couple of things. So I've toured um, the birth centre and they have like the Pilates ladder mm -hmm. and then I don't know if they keep rebozos, but I know they have the yes, birthing balls and different mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. So just maybe just share a little oh, bit okay. about, you know, what moms that, that are like. listening and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know what a doula is and I can't, I don't even know what, they maybe get on Google and see a couple of different positions, but there are some really neat things at both the hospital, but specifically the birth center that are um, kind of tools that mm -hmm. we use to progress labor. And so will you just share oh, a little absolutely. bit about, yeah. you know, those... So, like you said, the Pilates bar, which looks like a big old ladder, which I did have um, a mum have a baby there not long ago, and her son, who was there with her in the birth room, um, was climbing the Pilates bar. So, a Pilates <laughs> bar can be a jungle gym for a three-year-old, or it can be a tool that's used for um, a labouring mum with a rebozo, which is basically a... Um, a big scarf that's used in labour. So, you know, we use those tools. The beautiful big birthing tubs are a fantastic um, option. So we've had lots of mermaids and mermen babies born in the tubs there. So, you know, doulas call uh, the birth tubs Mother Nature's epidural. Mm -hmm. or, you know, the aquadural. Absolutely. Oh, so, that's a good one. So they are a fantastic um you know, hydrotherapy is a great way to labour. So at the birth centre, there's this fantastic tub in the middle of the room. There's this wonderful double um, queen-size bed, I think, that, uh, um, you know, mum can labour in if she's needing some rest. The the one thing that you can use if you feel like you need to is nitrous oxide. So there's that option. But, of course, in a, in a birth centre, it is a, um, a natural birth but share a little bit more about the nitrous oxide so for moms that are listening that don't know mm -hmm. so share a little bit about the administration of the nitrous oxide and how long it lasts right so with the nitrous oxide I would say that most of um, the families that I've served in the birth center it's not usually something that most of them um, use because just the setting and the fact that you're allowed to labor the way you would like to just makes such a difference in your progression. So, um, but sometimes if mum's having a hard time, you can use the um, nitrous oxide. And the way that's delivered is mum holds that nitrous oxide to her mouth herself, she administers it herself, and it doesn't really take away the what she's feeling, but it just 
takes away her anxiety. So there we go. We have an anxiety vacuum there. I know. I can, you know, um, I'm you, you can trademark you this. Can, I, yeah, I will. Vacuum. I'll get my T-shirt made. <laughs> so, um, so that can help, but it only uh, it will help for a certain amount of time. And, um, you know, then mum usually doesn't need it um, closer to when she's having the baby. But can, it, it can be a little help there, yeah. but... Um, and moms might know the term laughing gas. Exactly. Like that yes. you get how the they yeah. yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's been used for generations now in the UK. See yes. if it's been shown to be safe and effective. Um, we're just slower in the US yeah. to catch on. But hospitals are starting to catch on. And so there's hope uh, because it's a, it's a fantastic option um, and alternative to other pain relief um, methods that are longer acting. It's very short acting. Mm-hmm. You can try it for a few contractions, see how it's working. And maybe that's all that that mom needs is just a few moments of relief. And then it's done and it's out of her system. Yeah. It doesn't pass through to the baby. So I feel like all doulas should be campaigning for hospitals to get nitrous oxide uh, because it's just a fantastic tool. I used it for number three in Australia. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I, I had it. a little bit, yeah, yeah, when I went home for my Aussie baby. <laughs> I want some just thinking about I know. it. <laughs> and doulas and dads can't have any. We always make that joke. Like, can like I if get it's a safe, puff? like, can I just get a little hit over <laughs> right. here? Oh, another thing. So. Um, I didn't mention about uh, the birth centres um, is they have the essential oil diffusers there. I always bring mine um, to my births anyway, but that's something that you can um, use while you're there at the birth centre. Mm-hmm. Um, so the environment is very much taken care of uh, so that mum and dad feel comfortable. And, you know, if we're, we are in a hospital setting, I think a lot of the doulas do the same thing and we want that environment to be very welcoming. I like to say it's very zen and namaste. And, yes. you know, we want to have, we want to build an environment that is conducive to um, a peaceful birth Yeah, I always say I'm not an interior designer. My own house is like a wreck. I've got four kids. It's crazy. But when I get into a hospital room, I go all out for my clients to make that environment as non-clinical and homey and cozy um, and create sort of an oxytocin-rich environment. So I bring twinkle lights and I I buy a colorful fleece blanket for every client that gets thrown over that, you know, white hospital sheet and it just personalizes the space. I bring flameless candles and the aromatherapy and then we work together to create a personalized playlist. So it's all a very curated space that feels personalized and homey, even in a clinical hospital setting. So um, so even clients who are not choosing that more home-like birthing center can have a beautiful experience in their environment. And we talk a lot about what the environment needs to feel like for that individual to feel the most comfortable. Yep. And what it needs to smell like and yeah. everything. It's a little bit different for everybody. I was thinking as you girls were talking, I was thinking, is there any other tools that I use? And so Um, I do bring a squatty potty to every Mm -hmm. birth, um, just to kind of, when moms are laboring, just to open the pelvis and to make that position a little bit more comfortable than flat feet on the floor. Um, and then I have two different really expensive massagers from Brookstone (laughs) when that was still a company (laughs) and, um, but they do heat massage. So it's always nice because especially if there's a long labor and um, the doula's a little 
tired and mom's like hip squeezes you know yes. more hip squeezes you know so, we didn't talk like about the, hip squeezes oh my gosh yet. we're gonna get there in a second too like but I will have moms that's like we're on hour 30 and every contraction's like hip squeezes my and I'm like thinking oh my gosh I'm gonna have to trade with dad for yes. you know or partner dad for a minute um, but that sometimes I will use the heating pad or the um, heated massagers mm-hmm. that they put in their arms. Oops, I'm hitting the thing. But they they put them into their arms and then they can put it anywhere on their back and shoulders. Um, and then the lavender um, rice bags mm-hmm. to heat up in the microwave and lavender ice cloths. The reason I'm going through all of this is that if moms are listening and you're I want to be careful because doulas cost money. So if you are, oh my gosh, Helen is, oh, thank She's you. Spritzing She's spritzing us with labor. Thank you. Oh. Labor essential blend. Mm. Oh, oh that's gosh. so lovely. Oh, that's perfect. So uh, this is one of my favorite things to talk about with doulas because after doing this work for so many years, I still find new things that every doula brings to births. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like if we, we could go to every doula in the city's birth bag and we would all have different tools that we've all sort of cultivated right. and chosen over all of our experiences to find the most sort of essential items to bring to a birth. And yeah. it's all different, but I, I love that. Every doula works really hard to figure out what things really benefit her And clients. what you can fit in a bag, because we can't bring in 10 bags, you know, like we would like to. So it really is, oh, give me some more of that know, Aussie doula. so good. <laughs> what says, is that? It says it's Aussie doula labor blend. Oh, I'll have to kill you if okay, I told you okay. what's in it. Well, you have to hire, you have to hire, hire Helen. Helen from yes. Aussie doula. You get, get, you get the spray I when you hire me. I wish everyone could smell this. But no, so I really wanted to transition to this because while we say every woman deserves a doula, one of my main reasons for starting this podcast is I hope that this is a platform at some point where insurance companies and hospitals open their eyes and see that women are having better birth outcomes and costing the system in the state less money. And part of having this conversation and us talking about all these tools is that there are going to be many women who cannot afford our services because they don't have an HSA account or an FSA account. Their insurance company doesn't happen to be AT&T United Healthcare, which is in our area, the only employer that I've found to provide doula services. This is a huge shout out. So thank you, AT&T, for believing in your um, in your mothers and your fathers and for providing doula services. But we're saying all these tools and I'm asking all these questions for a reason, because if you're listening and you can't afford a doula, be paying attention to everything that we're saying about how to take care of yourself or how your partner or how your sister or how your mom could could take care of you in childbirth if you cannot afford a doula. And we're just going to continue on this topic of I'm just going off on a little tangent here. <laughs> um, but also right here in our community, we have a ton of doulas that are looking for their certification um, births or that are new, newer doulas. And so um, I will give a big shout out to your Charlotte doulas dot com as a directory here in Charlotte of our doulas. And if every city doesn't have a directory like that, they should. So mm-hmm. if you're in a, if you're in another city and you're listening, go to yourcharlottedoulas.com and look at that directory because it's powerful. It helps moms find the right doula for them by reading all of their profiles and websites all in one place. So they're not just, you know, going into Google hell because your best fit for doula 
might be on page 16 of Google and you may never find them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have a resource here and I hope all cities will start to do that. Uh, Must have been a pretty amazing person that started that. (laughs) (laughs) Heidi created You know what? I might, I might have done it a couple of years she, ago. She's not going to take. Yeah, she, well, she's amazing. You know what? <laughs> well, let me just let me just say this. I have a master's degree in business and a concentration in marketing. And I have a pretty good website. And I figured out a little bit of SEO. And I was getting a lot more inquiries than I could handle. And I also didn't think that some of the women that were calling me that I was the best fit for their doula mm-hmm. to be their doula, but they weren't finding the right person. And I just, it just got under my skin. So I wanted to create a resource for moms that made it easy for them with everything that they had going on in their pregnancy. I didn't think finding a doula should be something that was difficult or challenging. So very simply, my husband and I created the website. So really, I do hope that other cities will um, catch on and do a similar website, you know, to that. So that was just like a little side tangent. But now let's get to hospital based births, because we're coming to the towards, you know, nearing the end of our podcast time. And 92% of women in our country are delivering their babies in a hospital mm-hmm. with an epidural. So likely 92% of people, women that are listening to this podcast are like, I'm so glad that you just walked me through that birth center. We don't have one in my city or we walked through a home birth. That's illegal in my state. I'm going to the hospital. I think I want an epidural, you know, so let's kind of talk about, I love our hospitals. Yeah, we I love, we hospitals. have hospitals, Yeah, N- but no institution that has this volume is I don't think right now they're paying enough attention and doing enough market research and focus groups and connecting with the doula community to really understand the patient experience. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're in maternity and you are part of a big healthcare system, then I really want you to um, pay attention to this conversation because we are the voice right now for the moms that are kind of voiceless. When they come Mm -hmm. into labor, they're voiceless. And if you don't have a doula, they kind of remain voiceless. And they certainly don't follow up afterwards because they're tired to even fill out your survey on how their experience was. So let's Mm -hmm. rip it open. The first thing that just fires me up is, and I talked to the, the oldest midwife in our city about this. And it just, I think it fired her up too. I think it's barbaric that when a mom is coming into the hospital with a doula, especially, and we know they're not one centimeter dilated, even though we don't check their cervix, we know from the signs and symptoms. The first place that they go is a triage Triage. room. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you that recently it's been redesigned to be partitioned by curtains. So I will be in there and moms are deep into labor, seven, eight, nine centimeters dilated. And all of a sudden they're thrown in a triage room and they're partitioned by curtains with seven other moms in labor. How is this good patient care and good patient experience when you feel like you have to be quiet? Because guess who's also allowed to be in the triage room? The eight other husbands or partners that are sitting in a chair and now they're separated, separated from their partner 
and their partner is in a bed. The labor process is completely halted. There's fluorescent lights everywhere. And the, through a curtain, there is another woman trying to quiet her labor sounds. And then another woman and then another woman because it's the busiest hospital one of the busiest hospitals in the city. So that's my personal, I think it needs to be, if you're going to triage, I think it needs to be a private room. Mm. I think that your doula needs to stay by your side and never be disconnected from you. The personalized care. So I hope someone's listening to this. You can hear me. I get all. Yeah. I get I all it. You guys can jump in or you can, we can move on to the next. I have <laughs> not had that specific experience probably because I go to different hospitals more frequently. So I haven't seen that, but, um, so not to speak specifically to triage, but I think just in general, um, over the last 10 or 15 years that I've been doing doula work, I've seen a tremendous shift in hospitals, at least attempting to answer consumer demand for, for differences and for change. So we see things like the baby friendly initiative or the family centered care initiatives where there are standards set out for hospitals to follow in with routine care that accommodates what families are looking for. So like 10 or 15 years ago, you had to have a birth plan if you wanted something like skin to skin care with your baby after right immediately after delivery. It wasn't, um, as well uh, promoted in hospitals and it wasn't broadly practiced. But now it's pretty broadly practiced that babies go directly on to mom as long as there's no issue. But that sort of change came about because of consumer demand and advocacy. Um, Not just because the doulas were the ones ringing the bell and saying, this is wrong, this practice needs to change, but because mothers were eventually speaking out. So when I see issues in the hospital system, I really encourage my clients to get involved in advocacy advocacy after the fact to be to become part of a rallying campaign for access to water birth or for access to baby friendly practices or for private triage rooms Um, because it wasn't that long ago it wasn't that many generations ago that our all of our mothers were given a standard routine of enema shave and an episiotomy and then a generation before that all women were laboring in shared rooms Laboring and giving birth and in shared rooms and, and unconscious. Yep. So our practices have changed because of consumer demand. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm always guiding my clients back to um, the importance of sharing their stories and their experiences and going back to the hospital and saying, this practice needs to change. Um, so I'm amazed that there's a hospital that still has doesn't have private triage rooms. Oh, yeah. That's so old school, and that definitely needs to change. We could go on and on about the things that need to change, but it's going to have to come from consumers, from the ones who are actually still yeah. giving birth and still their money is is funding the hospital. So if moms are listening right now and and we've convinced you that you need a doula, let's talk about when you're shaping your birth plan or you're thinking about the people that are going to be laboring with you in a hospital and what they need to advocate for. So let's just kind of open up that conversation a little bit. And I'm going to start with you, Helen, on some of the things that um, need to be advocated for still, Um, even though we've come a long way besides triage. Let's be kind. Even though we've come a part of the way, what would you guide moms? And, you know, when we're with our moms, we're advocating for them because we're their doula. But how can they advocate for themselves beforehand? Here's an example. If they want to have a water birth, 
but they're delivering at a hospital. Oh, okay. Um, going back to a little bit what Sarah was saying, I think the change, um, we can educate our clients and then they can speak for themselves. Um, I don't like to say that we advocate for our clients. I like to say that we um, kind of give them um, the prompts to be able to, to advocate for themselves. So in the case, say a mum wanted to do delayed cord clamping, but the, the provider in the hospital did it immediately. Um, that's something that is changing now in the hospitals where they will delay the cord clamping for a certain amount of time. Um, but if in that case the mum was... Um, you know, the, the doctor was about to cut the cord, I would say, hey, so-and-so, would you still like to delay the cord clamping? Then she has a voice to say, oh, yes, could you hold off on that, doctor so-and-so? So giving the mum that um, voice in the moment is important, but advocating for themselves before, just asking all the questions. You know, if you have um, concerns about things before um, the birth, talk to your provider about that and ask them, what does this look like in this scenario? How do we, you know, um, what, you know, basically how can I help myself in that situation? Yeah, no, I think that that's a really good point. And one of the things, here's an example, is that um, when you're GBS positive and moms call me and they say, like, what does that mean? Okay, well, making that time to talk to your provider about what are the why would I have antibiotics administered? How long does it take the antibiotics to be administered? How often do they have to be administered? What is the protocol if I decide to not administer antibiotics? Talking about evidence-based birth and um, can you get your provider to show you some research on both sides? So yes, here is some evidence on using the antibiotics if you're GBS positive, but here are, is some education on what using antibiotics and labor does to the gut um, microbiome also and what that means long term um, for you or for your baby and what the consequences of that may be so that so that moms understand that there's a balance when making those decisions. Um, that just because we've studied one thing and seen an outcome, did we study the other side of it and see what that outcome you know, is also. Sarah's like biting. I am. Sorry. So I think that one of the most foundational things that we can give to laboring women is the idea that they are consumers in this process and that um, to shift from the mentality that they are patients and that that pregnancy is an illness that needs to be cured or treated um, to, to understanding that it's a normal human experience and they are consumers. They're shopping for the service that they want. So they are paying their care provider to provide a service. They're, they're paying their choice of birthing setting. Um, and, and it, to view themselves as consumers changes everything. They are the boss. The woman in labor is the boss. And that starts at the beginning of pregnancy when they're choosing their care team um, and shopping around. And so asking for questions about um, rates of cesarean sections and rates of epidurals and rates of episiotomies and um, will their care provider provide them with the experience that they're hoping for, elements of their experience. There's no guaranteed outcome when it comes to labor. But are you choosing a care provider who supports your values around the experience? What do you value out of um, the kind of care that you're seeking and how are you going to choose a team that really sets you up for that kind of success? Uh, That is the foundational beginning step when it comes to advocating for what you want out of the experiences. 
viewing yourself as a consumer. You're shopping around. I love you. Thank you. (laughs) That is so well put, Sarah. I mean, just thank you. Thank you to everybody from everyone who's listening too. So as we wrap up here, for moms that are listening, that are pregnant, and as your quote, due date approaches, Sarah and Helen and I just want to kind of speak into you a little bit as you get into those last, um, you know, maybe those last couple of weeks. So thank you for listening to our podcast and hopefully you've learned a lot from us. And I just want to share with you that your due date is arbitrary, that most women deliver their first baby at 41 weeks and one day gestation. And then I know that you are uncomfortable and I know that you have to pee every two hours and that you're not sleeping. But I just want to remind you that you are okay. You were born to do this. You are deeply, deeply loved by your creator. And the three of us are, we're channeling you somehow today. And we believe in you and we believe in your divine power. And we are here for you and cheering you on through your birth, no matter what that looks like. Beautiful. So I... I love to tell women that the end of pregnancy can be a really special time. And um, I think that we love to talk about how uncomfortable it is and how hard it is to get a good night's sleep and the anxieties and worries about when this baby is going to finally make their appearance becomes the forefront of focus. But um, but you don't get to be pregnant with this one baby again. It's that it's it's such a special time. And um, so I love to help clients think about ways that they can really enjoy the last stretch of pregnancy and not just be so focused on when is the baby coming? And how do I get into labor and trying all of the natural labor induction things? Um, I think you can make it fun and lighthearted to um, to plan a special date night once a week to create memories for the end of pregnancy before uh, before life is just totally upended and changed by the by welcoming this new baby. So make special memories, make a bucket list of things to do at the end of pregnancy that you won't be able to do again for a long time. And then uh, there's there's no indulgence that's too much at the end of pregnancies. So I send all of my clients for um, a prenatal massage at the end. And then that last month, um, I think you can go for pedicures and go out dancing and hear a live band and go to your favorite restaurants and take in uh, a few extra prenatal yoga classes. Just indulge and pamper yourself in whatever way that can be. And if you don't have the budget or the time for um, for luxuries, then even just a, a soak in an Epsom salt bath is just perfect um, a routine where you listen to your labor relaxation playlist and take a bath Uh, that's great preparation for labor but it's also just really relaxing and pampering for this last stretch of pregnancy my favorite one to say to my mums is the way you have a baby is to forget you're pregnant that sounds Mm. very counterintuitive but When you're relaxed, your body is just doing what it needs to do. You will have your baby. It's like a piece of fruit uh, on a tree. Um, When you go to twist that apple on the tree, if it's ready, the the fruit will just fall from the tree. But if it's not ready, you need to wait another day for that fruit to fall. So that is also like your body. Okay, so my answer to a woman who is anxiously awaiting the birth of her baby is to say, 
forget that you're pregnant and just go along and do your life um, as you normally would any other time and any other day. So the, the process for your baby to be born is very much the fact that you are um, able to be relaxed and that your body listen to its own cues and do what it needs to do to have this baby. So I always like to say, make plans that you have to break when you have your baby. So like Sarah said, go for maybe an induction massage. Go and have uh, the pizza at the local pizza shop that is supposed to uh, bring on babies. Um, have a date with your oldest child or your, your, your toddler or whatever that looks like. So, you know, enjoy those last few days. Don't wish that time away. That baby will be here before you know it. And everybody, of course, will be checking in on you. So I also like to say, turn off your phones, turn off your social media and let people know when that baby is earthside. But it's very important to enjoy those last days before this little one comes earthside. And um, they will be here before you know it. So enjoy your pregnancy and enjoy your wonderful births. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Birth Story Podcast, and we hope you will tune in and join us next week. So once again, I'm here with Helen from Aussie Doula, AussieDoula.com, and Sarah with Sage Mama Doula from SageMama.com, and it has been my pleasure to have you. Thank you for helping to just support and educate moms that listen Thank you for listening to Birth Story. My goal is you will walk away from each episode with a clear picture of how labor and delivery might go and that you will feel empowered by the end of your pregnancy to speak up, plan and prepare for the birth you want, no matter what that looks like.